Hey there, welcome to the Clyde Podcast. This is Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide. And I love that every single week I get to hang out with you and hand you an interview that I got to have with someone who's experiencing God showing up in their lives and he's using their story and their pain and their healing and their experiences and their giftings to do amazing things in the world. And so this interview, I'm about to hand you is no different. An amazing story from Jamie Nato, who's this serial entrepreneur. She's a leader of a multi-million dollar business that's built on faith and community and authenticity and courage. And she's truly watched God take a side hustle and, and unfold it into so much more. And we not only talk about her passion to not do laundry and how she kills plants, but we go deeper and start talking about uh, things that we as women often sort of put away. And she invites us to bring these things out that we've sort of hidden our dreams and our talents. And really that God can use our breadcrumbs to do huge things in this world. And so it's an inspiring interview. And before I hand it to you, I want to remind you that we have guests like Jamie, we curate these guests and work so hard to bring you amazing conversations that will challenge you and inspire you and grow you. And so if you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you subscribe to it. Make sure you share it with your friends, invite more people into the Collide podcast community. Here is Jamie Nato. Enjoy. Jamie, I'm so glad I get to hang out with you today, and I love that you describe yourself as you love God, a good Marg, and you consistently kill plants. I yeah. kill plants, too, yeah. so that just made me feel so good about myself. I keep buying them, though, and that's because <laughs> I'm like, look, this one is so alive, and then I bring it to my dungeon of torture. <laughs> I I know what that's like. I don't know why I kill plants. I feel like I'll even buy plants that don't need water and I can still kill those plants. I so. do good with succulents because I forget about them and they love to be forgotten about. They're just, you know, desert plants. So I can keep that one alive. Yeah. I'm just proud of myself that I have kept my kids alive. I, I don't treat them the way I treat my plants. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. It's a win. <laughs> Yeah, I I hear you're passionate about not doing laundry. And I I read that and laughed out loud because I have gotten to a place, especially with being in full-time ministry and trying to balance being a mom, where I just decided after years of folding everyone's laundry and then watching them pick it up and just throw it in their dresser and it comes unfolded, I just protested. I was like, I'm done with laundry. So it's all on a pile in the bonus room. And if anyone wants anything, they have to go and pick it out of the pile. And that's what our laundry looks like. What does your laundry look like? The life tip. My kids like to take the <laughs> folded items that are put on their bed and then put them folded straight back in the hamper where I find them. And just, oh, and yeah. guys, first of all, we don't wash leather belts ties like a, an easter egg from easter like my kids think <laughs> that that is a catch-all yeah. yeah it's so crazy when i find laundry that has tags on it mm. from clothes that i just bought that they haven't worn but they didn't want to put it away when i asked them to clean their room 
So they're like, let's just put it in the hamper and put the hamper in the laundry room and call my room clean. Makes me crazy, man. It's insane. They are very um, creative, though. You know, when you say clean up the room, they're going to clean it up. It's just, it's going to be, it's not going to be how we do it. Yeah, totally. You're a, a wife, a mom, an entrepreneur, an author. You do so much. How are you holding it all up at the same time? Well, I... I have a little ADHD, so I hire things out that I'm just not good at. Like, I sh- I'm not allowed to do math. I hurt people when I do math. And <laughs> so my husband has fired me from, like, the budget, bills. I just won't remember to pay that stuff. And um, and I have a virtual assistant that helps me. I really, I just kind of, it's all hands on deck. I At some point in my business when it grew big enough, and I thought, okay, I am going to invest this money back into my sanity. And so I did. I hired a cleaner. I hired a virtual assistant. Now, there wasn't always that money there. So I did, you know, have to go through the ropes myself. And a lot of things fell through the cracks. But it never stopped me from pursuing the things that God put in my heart. I just had a passion for doing being me basically, but also God put something in my heart and I wanted to be obedient to that. And I wanted to steward it. And I figured out, I think he'll just have to pull through for me. Like I, I'm going to mess some things up, but I think he's going to be faithful in this area. Mm -hmm. I've heard you often encourage people when they feel overwhelmed by shoulds. What's your best advice for a woman listening right now? Who's just feeling toppled by shoulds? I think every woman needs to do a little uh, personal development and a little bit of coming to God with that backpack of bricks and saying, God, what actually am I supposed to do? What have you put in my heart? And not an expectation from other people or filling your time with things that you're not even gifted at, but feel like you have to do it. And I think when you personally develop in inside of the gospel, you start to see those things that I'm actually not good at this and I don't even want to do this. And those obligations start to kind of melt away because what you're doing is not making room for other people who should be in that place using their gift. And I don't think that's the way we should be living as commu- in, in community. We should be making space for those who are better at things than we are. <laughs> How do you differentiate between the shoulds that we actually like should do versus like, is there like a filter of like, no, this is something where I just need to wrap my mind around. This is something I have to do and I need to have a good attitude about it versus no, this is a should that I have um, taken on as sort of this guilt, sort of obligatory thing that someone else put on me that I can let go of. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of said the words, if you're feeling guilt, if you're feeling shame, if you're feeling confusion, those are not fruits of the spirit. Those are not things that we should be focusing on. If you think I should be a better mother, well, that is probably a great desire, but how does that play out in a way that would honor God and not shamefully? So You can be sad that you treated your kids a certain way, but once you start moving into replaying that and rehearsing that bad moment over and over again, now we're turning into shame. And so Mm -hmm. I I do, I only say that because I do that. 
it's a natural inclination for me is to replay like conversations or things I could have done better over and over again. And when I start to get in that shame spiral, that's a good indication that I've taken something probably even good and made it really into the self-hatred and self-loathing. And it's not a place of freedom and it doesn't bless other people to be around you when you're like that, you know, because then you start placing that shame on other people and it's this gross cycle that we do. So I try to be really aware of, is this a fruit? Is this a good fruit or is this a bad fruit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like I've talked to so many women where they're so overwhelmed and I get overwhelmed for sure with all the things I feel I need to do. But a lot of us are overwhelmed by things that we put on ourselves that we're doing to people, please to sort of keep up with the Joneses to make sure that we're, you know, saying yes to all the things I'll bring them a meal. I'll sign up for that. <laughs> like sign up for that meal train. I'll sign up for this committee. I'll be the soccer mom who brings the oranges. I'll make the cheer bags. Like we're doing all these things. Plus we're doing all the things we have to do and it can become so overwhelming. Yeah. I, I think it's easy to get into that rut, but at this point, and maybe it's age, like I'm getting older and maybe this is called maturity. I don't know, but living through other people's approval, living for other people's approval has never put me on the right track. And now I just tell my friends, I am so terrible at that. Like I will support you in so many other ways, but I am terrible at that. And they mm -hmm. will be funny and say like, actually you are. And we don't know why we asked you to be on that committee for organizing X, Y, Z. I'm horrible <laughs> at details. I forget everything. You know, I'm like Dory swimming around in life. Like what? Who are you? Where am I going? So mm -hmm. I think just acknowledging Acknowledging who you are, acknowledging your gifts, acknowledging those like natural things that God put inside of you. I'm obviously passionate about it. Like I wrote a book about it. <laughs> like I want women to live in freedom and doing so in their gifts. And that will take a lot of saying no. Mm, it's so true. I recently, I think I was asked to be on something. My daughter's graduating this year. And so I think I was asked to be on like a senior thing and have great friends that are on it. I think it's awesome that they're doing it. But I had this moment when I said no, like, oh, it just kind of stung. Like, you suck. Like, yeah. you're not doing anything for your daughter or senior year to put on like something for the senior class. And then I just, I always resort back to this idea that like, we can't all do all the things we all do our own part in the world and I'm doing my part and I can only do my part but I can't like sign up to do all the parts and I think there's sort of a piece that comes with that it's not like I'm sitting around eating bonbons and getting my nails done all day and like not serving or doing anything to make the world a better place yeah, right? like, you well, don't regret I think I regret a lot of yeses I've said but I don't regret saying no out of a boundary like I, I cannot think of a time where I've been like, well, that was stupid. I wish I would have had 44 more hours of work this week, you know, <laughs> doing something that I'm not passionate about. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk to you about your book, but before we get there, um, because it's so exciting and, and so I have so many questions for you about it, but just for context or someone listening, you are an entrepreneur and you're a leader of a multi-million dollar business. A few minutes ago, you talked about 
how as your sort of calling in career grew, you began to have to leverage the money you were making to be able to pour back into taking care of your sanity. So can you kind of rewind us back to um, how this multi-million dollar business career and calling came to be and how it's unfolded for you? Well, that's every good thing in my life is it was on accident, but you know, the opportunity was on accident. I am very naturally inclined to take risks and I love entrepreneuring. I have all my life, even as a child. And um, just knowing that that was how I was wired, I can do a lot of things at, at the same time, just because I'm like multi-passionate about different things. And when this opportunity came, it was network marketing, which I said I would never do. And that the Lord said, LOL. And as we do, eat our words. And so I started just sharing about that. And it, it took off to the point of now I have these leaders who also want to sell. And how do I lead leaders? And that was kind of where I had to make a pivot of, oh, my goodness, if I'm not personally developing and I'm not honing my skills, how am I supposed to be honing, helping them hone their skills and helping them mm -hmm. make money? I am passionate about women making money because... Women are so philanthropic. They have a pulse on their communities. They're just traditionally far and above more uh, generous than men are. Not, not that men aren't generous, but they are traditionally far and above. Kind of, They dictate where the money goes in their families. And uh, so then I thought, I have got to help these women make money and do it ethically and do it with integrity and sell with integrity. But how do I lead, how do I lead you ladies? And so... I just gobbled up everything I could about business and how to lead and anything, really, anyone who had gone before me. What did they do? What did it look like? And God sort of made it go. I mean, I don't know what else to say, but he He prepared me for it with my gifts. Mm -hmm. And then I took this risk, and then he just blew the ship in a certain way. And so that's been kind of our bread and butter for a long time, but it's allowed us to do other things like buy flip properties or we bought a local coffee shop or um, even writing a book. I mean, that takes, that takes a lot of resources for me to be able to sit down and write or produce content or anything like that, especially when your kids are little, I mean, babysitters mm -hmm. and, or a nanny or um, taking a course or a lot of people would spend their money on a great vacation and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, please, I love vacations. But at the beginning I was spending my money on uh, resources for my team, you know, like how can I motivate them? What courses can I take? What books can I read? And how do I get a nanny? How do I get, you know, a house cleaner? I was putting money in different places. Um, and my husband was so encouraging, but he was also working in the corporate world. So, you know, managing four people and four kiddos, there's six of us, but managing all of those activities, I just, I couldn't do it all. So I, I invested in, in my sanity and I invested in ways that seem invisible to other people, but really in the long term make a big impact. Hmm. When you look back to Jamie before this business and career and calling unfolded and you house those gifts 
And you believed in a God who could you take those gifts and do something amazing with it, but it hadn't been unfolded yet. When you think back to that, Jamie, and you think about people listening who have dreams, they have gifts, what's your best advice for them to sort of start where they're at and watch what God can do with what they have? Okay, someone once said, you don't have to go around starting fires. They said, momentum is like finding the little fires that are around and throwing gasoline on those. And that is kind of what I was doing. You see something moving. You see there is some kind of action there. You see there's something kind of moving forward. And then you start throwing resources and time and your brain at this thing. And I think that's just kind of what I've always done when with my little side, my cute little side hustles that I always had. Um, Painting name signs is what I did for people's nurseries and they were ugly and people bought them. And I, (laughs) but I was like wanting to be creative and I had a baby, but I did want to make a little money and I made one for my friend and then she told her friend and that friend asked me to do that. So I made one for her and I thought it's kind of nice to have when you don't have any money and you have an extra like 50 bucks. It was a big deal for me. So Mm -hmm. it was things like that. And then I thought, oh my gosh, you can have for free a blog, a blog spot, and you can write and you can take pictures and people are reading this and you didn't have to pay for anything. So I started taking pictures. I got a camera for my birthday and then people said, will you take our family photos? And then I started doing that and had a photography business. And then I started shooting weddings, which was great money. Um, and then I got bored with that, sold it to my sister. And, you know, it's like that over and over again. But all the while, I'm learning to take pictures. I'm learning, you know, how to take a good picture and good lighting. I'm learning how to write. You know, if you have a blog, you got to learn how to write. I'm learning how to use my creativity to making money because I kind of needed to make a little money for anything extra we wanted to do. And, you know, then I started that network marketing business. And it was just everything kept, it was like I was building and building and building and building. And then you're, I kind of think it's like faithful in the little, faithful in the big. Like, are you using your skills and your talents and the little things, even your dreams? Are you stewarding any of this? Or are you telling yourself that it's stupid? Are you not honing the craft? Are you, I even think, If you're writing to be seen, try writing in obscurity. Like, get good at writing when no one cares about your stuff. You know, are you Mm -hmm. taking pictures to make a great Instagram post? How about learn how to take really good pictures without anybody seeing them? Like, I did a lot of things in obscurity that helped me way later on into, you know, even writing a book. I wasn't the same writer I was 10 years ago when I'm blogging. You know, I honed that craft and then, you know, even writing for just what my grandma and my mom for a little bit, <laughs> then people start taking notice. And that's kind of how I like to do things like very naturally, very organically. I do not want to hustle my brains out. I, I've done that before too. I, believe me, gave myself a little autoimmune stuff. And I just, the gentle way is the way, I mean, things are hard and things can be tough, but I think you can gently steward the small gifts you have and find the little fires and throw, throw your gifts on top of those. Hmm. 
I love that you just shared sort of these stop points along the way, because I think about even that moment where you realized you were bored with the photography wedding business that you started. And, and I think there's so many people that are probably listening who are in that space where it feels scary. It feels overwhelming. Like, I know I don't want to be doing this, but I'm not really sure what I do want to be doing and to have that kind of bravery and surrender to say, you know what, it's not this. And so I'm going to pass that over and try something else. Like because you were able to do that, because you were able to sort of see all the stops along the way as things God would ultimately use to show you what you're called to do is just so cool. Well, I mean, listen, there's, there's a lot of overlap too. It's kind of, and you can do that. You can have a hobby or something that you're good at. You know, I was painting name signs, but I had to take pictures of those name signs. Do you know what I mean? And then Mm -hmm. I have this camera. So now I'm going to be taking pictures of my family and other people. And now I'm blogging and writing. And now I have a referral link that I can share with these 400 people that are following me, you know? And so there is, I think you can do it with less risk, of course. And you don't need to be foolish about it at all. I'm not saying like, quit your jobs. You don't have to feed your family. But I do think there are ways you can dabble in things inexpensively and see if that's something that might take off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dabble and then pay attention to what God does. I love it. Let's talk about your new book, This Must Be the Place. What made you write it? Well, I said I was going to write a book for like 8,000 years and... The first book I tried to write was all about um, infidelity and in my marriage and how we overcame that and this big forgiveness thing. But I'll tell you, writing that book was just torture. I mean, I think I actually had like eight chapters written and I hated it. It was just not the book I was supposed to write. And so I laid it down I, and I knew I was going to write a book, but I think it just was like, this is should not be this heavy and difficult it should not be like writing a book is difficult, but it shouldn't feel like you're pulling a cruise ship behind you, you know? So I laid it down, but while I'm growing and leading this team, my leaders for, I you have to come up with content all the time. And for these retreats that they're coming to, so these 200 women are coming into my town to listen to me, mentor them. And I thought, what am I going to teach these women? And really what I wanted to, to teach them was not how to be a better network marketer or how to sell. I wanted to give them the gift of looking back to look forward and that nothing was a coincidence and that nothing is an accident. And if we can lean into our truest selves with our truest gifts and combine that with this passion of of selling this product, their businesses will grow and no one can take that away from them. No one can take away your personal development. Like no one's going to take away the quiet inner work that you're doing. And so I made this whole talk and I came up with all these questions and we did that together. And we, at the end of it, we were all like crying together. We were like discovering these hidden treasures in our life that we like totally put away or maybe couldn't make sense of. So you just say like, we're just going to close that door and put it away. And opening those doors back up and saying, hey, um, maybe there's some treasure here that we have not found. And if we dig around, maybe we're going to find something really great.
We believe that God has something special in store for your life. Do you need some help discerning next steps in your calling or wishing that God could do something big with your life, but you don't know where to start? Or maybe you're tired, overwhelmed, or burned out and need some encouragement and inspiration to get back up. Whatever season or life phase you're in, we've got an incredible online course called Women of Impact that will equip and empower you with tools to fully live out your purpose in this life. This course comes with over 70 teaching sessions taught by over 50 incredible women and features topics like discerning direction, dreams and vision, health for a purpose, impact in every chapter, and more. You'll also get beautifully designed journals and incredible resource lists. This course was created for women on the go, meaning you can access it anytime, anywhere, on any device. Now is the time to get inspired and equipped to make an impact with your life. This robust course is available for only $149. You can learn more or register by going to wecollide.net forward slash women of impact. When you talk about that, things women put away, can you give us some examples of what you mean? Like these are some things that women put away and if we get them back out, we might be able to find the treasure in them. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So when I was selling this product, this is my adorable side hustle. Like I was in kind of a church culture that really revered women if they stayed at home and were a good wife. And you didn't work. And so my little loophole was that I could have side hustles. And so you have ambition, but make it cute. And so I felt really bad about selling. I felt like there was something wrong with me, even though like my husband was in medical sales and he didn't feel bad about selling. But I felt like, is this the worst thing in the world that I love selling and I'm good at it, but I would go to God and be like, you just got to take this away. Like, obviously this is probably wrong that you made me love the marketplace and love selling and providing for my family. Boo hoo for me and taking that to God. And I'm not kidding. I prayed that prayer. And immediately the thing that popped into my head was what were you doing when you were eight? Like, like that's what I heard. And I thought about what I was doing when I was eight years old, like eight to 10 kids might be what playing school, playing house, digging in the dirt, playing doctor, like teaching, you know, whatever it is that you were doing. I was pulling a wagon from door to door selling rocks to my neighbors. And were they their own rocks? Sure they were, but they were curated. And I would take zinnia seeds from my mom's garden and I would put them in little baggies and I would go around door to door and sell seeds and rocks to my elderly neighbors. And Mm -hmm who likely had Alzheimer's. So sure, was it a little sleazy? Maybe. We don't know. But I was eight and I had to make that money. Uh, I grew up very poor. So I grew up on welfare. And when you want something, I wanted new kids on the block cards. You don't go to your parents. They don't have money. So you don't even think about it. So you have to turn something out of nothing. And when I remembered that, I had this huge aha moment that this is not an accident. Like when you're eight, you're pretty much your purest self. You're doing things. The weight of the world is not falling on your shoulders. Usually when you're this age and you're carefree. And even though you have hardship, like we didn't have any money, but, but my life felt good to me as a kid. Right. And 
that's what I was doing. I was selling to my neighbors. And that gave me a huge permission slip to just do what I'm made to do and love what I love. And I do good things with my money. I was really proud of where we were putting our money, who, what organizations we were funding and helping, um, adoptions. I, I loved I loved being generous. And so I, I felt this big permission slip and I wanted women who maybe felt weird about, why do I love this? And just to go back and look back to look forward. And now we live on purpose because we say that is not a coincidence. That is not every little kid's pulling a wagon around selling rocks to their neighbors. Mm, it's so interesting. I um, I actually was speaking to some women at a conference and talking about a similar idea. But so much of our dreams and our talents have been almost shamed. Where it's almost like uh, we've been made to feel ashamed that we have big dreams for our lives. Yeah. And also we almost make ourselves smaller than we know we are. Absolutely. Like we make our gifts smaller. And I don't know how along the way women particularly more than men feel like they have to make themselves small. Like they have to be ashamed to say, I have a girlfriend who's extremely successful in business, makes a ton of money. And she's constantly feeling like she almost has to hide her success in social circles. Mm -hmm. Like that almost like she can't actually be real about what her real life actually looks like. Because somehow if you're a woman and you have big dreams or big goals or you're accomplishing them, people take up issue with that. Yeah, I mean, it just goes back to, <laughs> we use like things you can't even unpack in a podcast of just women doing anything in life. Like it's harder for us, right? There are more ceiling. There's, it's like boundaries and barriers and, uh, it's just more difficult. We live in kind of that man's world. And like, even in conversation, men, I'll, I'll be standing with my husband and a dude will say, you know, what do you do for work? Talking to my husband, but they don't ask me that. It's, it's just an interesting world to live in. And aside from like being annoyed by that, I, I thank God that his gifts and stewarding those gifts cannot be stopped by misogyny. I mean, they sure are given a lot of barriers, but it, God's, the gospel, the gifts, the eternal gifts God has placed in us, they, they will not be stopped by man. I don't mean like men. I mean like anyone, humankind. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just live by that. So yeah, it's annoying sometimes to, to have seen myself where I've shrunk so small to fit in ecosystems. Um, that weren't for me. And it is frustrating to see that I did that. But I will say God uses everything for good. And because of that, I know when I'm starting to shrink, like I know that feeling and it was terrible and it wasn't good and it wasn't right. And that's not holy. And now when I kind of feel myself doing that, I say, Boop. <laughs> we're not, I'm not going back into that ecosystem. So mm. you can still move forward, even with the bit of shrinking that we do, I would love for more women to take up places with their stories. That's why the book is about women. It's not, it's not like, here, let me show you how I did this. It's more like, I'll go first and give you an example. But the, the main thing I want you to do is answer these questions at the end. And I want you to take some space up with this story and find these treasures. Like if you read the book and it's entertaining, I love that journey for you. But <laughs> I want you to be 
I want you to be so confident and living so on purpose. Like that's the point of this book. Mm. So the book came out and what are you seeing happening in women's lives after reading it that you're loving? Well, it hasn't come out yet. I should have said that. It comes out June 6th. Oh, oh so I was like excited to hear it comes out in June. I know you guys are lucky because you get like manuscripts sent to you, but the rest of the world is like, we do these podcasts before they come out. So even, I don't know when this one will come out, but my book comes out June 6th. So we're just... Wow. Wow. It's so exciting. I'm so excited for you. I'm thinking about women who are listening. And I talk to a lot of women collide our conferences, classes, all these women who come to us. And a lot of them are in their 30s, 40s and 50s. And they're kind of feeling like life didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to. And it's almost like either I'm so disappointed, I'm just going to continue to live in this like state of disappointment, or I'm so overwhelmed to know how to make it look any different type of a way, Um, or I am just going to light the whole thing on fire, (laughs) ruin everything I have going, including my family and be like, peace out so I can start over. What's your advice for this sort of like discontentment that we can easily feel? All of us have had those days, those months, those birthdays where we're like, this isn't how I pictured it going. What's your advice? I think I would say, do you believe God? Like, do you believe what he says? And what he says is that we can count it all joy and that things that would that were going to be used for evil will be used for good. And we do not grieve like a people without hope. These are the scriptures that God has breathed into our lives. And do you believe God? I mean, I think we can do personal development, but the personal development I want you to do is inside of God's heart. And when you get in there and you snuggle up and you get all kind of, I say, spoon with Jesus. My sister says, stop saying that. It's going to offend people. But when you get that close with God, draw near to him. He will be near to you. And just like when Moses went up on the mountain and he had that interaction with God and he came down glowing, that is what I want women to live like. And that's what I want women to look like. And it is never too too late to start meeting on the mountain with God and glowing. And because that is attractive and that changes our communities, that changes our neighborhoods. You do not need to be an influencer. You don't need to have all this following. I love that if you do. Actually, I don't because the trolls are tough out here. But changing the community and changing people because you live so intentionally and you are glowing, like there is something glowing about you that people are going to say, what must her God be like? And, you know, that's how I want us to personally develop. And that's how I want us to change. And so to any woman at any stage, the gospel is not hindered by age. And the gospel penetrates all of that. So it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, look at the people in the Bible, like Abraham, like you, Sarah, you look at how old they were and what God did there. It's just never too late for you to start taking God at his word. Mm. so much wisdom I'm so excited for your book to come out I know there'll be people listening who want to get a copy how can they connect with everything you're doing and get a copy of your book I'm most active on Instagram like I do I do a lot of funny videos on there kind of 
pull people in and say, like, did you laugh? Have you heard about Jesus? Um, so it's kind of... I saw you today with your, your tambourine yeah, and your kid. Yeah, it's a real yeah. niche market out here. But I'm so I'm Jamie Nato over there. No E in my name. But I'm most active on Instagram. I have a website, jamienato.com. And you can buy the book anywhere books are sold. Doesn't matter to me. Mm, I'm excited to to read a copy and I am so glad that you've been following after God's unfolding in your life and the way that you're impacting the world. Thank you for sharing today. Thank you for having me. Friend, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. I don't know where you are right now in your place in life. I don't know if you're in a place of discontentment a place of discouragement, a place where you're longing for your dreams to unfold. But I just want to remind you today, just feeling called to pause in this moment for a second and remind you that you have been given one life and God has infused you with giftings and God has written your story, all of it, the mess, the baggage, the pain, but also the beauty and the joy and, and the strength. And he wants to use it all. He wants to purpose your life. And so you can trust him in the unfolding of his story. No matter where you are at today, he can do things beyond your imagination. Isn't it so cool to listen to women like Jamie sharing their story of how God took them from one place and wrote a story beyond what they could imagine? If he can do it for her, you know he can do it for you and he can do it for me. So let's hold on to hope. Let's not get too caught up in discouragement and envy and comparison and discontentment, but instead trust in the Lord and what he has for us. So friend, I hope you keep colliding and we'll catch you next week.